Greetings to uh, my listeners on the Solukabur's podcast. Welcome, welcome on this uh, wonderful uh, weekend morning. I have a very special guest today. Um, I uh, have uh, made this decision to uh, make podcasts based on uh, what is going on out there in the U.S. with uh, Black Lives Matters protest and uh, and bring a little bit of awareness to what uh, you what the racism is all about in U.S. and and you know in, in the world in, in a wider perspective. For that, I have been uh, doing a podcast with uh, various African American brothers that I uh, I know from USA uh, and. Uh, I believe I have invited the most articulate speaker ever to have uh, graced my uh, podcast because uh, I have been following this man uh, uh, on uh, Instagram uh, based on the suggestion of my mutual friend, our mutual friend. It is mind-blowing and you hear him, you'll be motivated, you'll be fired up and I hope he'll, he brings that same fire to our podcast. I'm sure he will. So, Remy, welcome to the podcast. Good morning to you from... Uh, from New York, I believe. Uh, good morning. I'm, I'm actually down in Atlanta, Georgia. Right. Same same time, though. Same time, same morning. How are you doing, yes, sir? sir? As you say. I'm blessed and motivated, sir. Exactly. Excellent, excellent. Um, uh, can, can you tell, uh, I, I think Sir Amy is a motivational speaker, but I'll let him tell about himself uh, more than I would. Uh, go, go on, sir. Can you tell uh, our listeners a bit more about yourself, please? Uh, so my name is Amy McKinney Jr., a.k.a. Sir Amazing. As you mentioned, I'm a motivational speaker, uh, best-selling author, life coach. Uh, most importantly, I always uh, refer to myself as a servant. Um, serving to my fellow humans, civilians, and um, just someone who really just tries to let the Lord use him, use me as a as a light, especially during these times. Brilliant. Well, how did you uh, uh, become this motivational speaker? I mean, uh, when kids grow up, they want to become doctor, engineer, astronaut. How did you end up choosing this particular career path? Uh, I always look at it as it was my purpose um, to give a quick story. When I was four years old, I was at my grandfather's scholarship event. <clears throat> Excuse me. My grandfather uh, has had MS since 1969, and he's a Howard University alum. And he gave out a scholarship to students with MS for about 20, 25 years. But four-year-old me, he's talking to the crowd. I walk up to him, rip the mic out of his hand, climb up on stage, and saying, I believe I can fly. And the whole crowd goes crazy. And that was the first time that I ever, uh, I guess that was like the beginning of speaking to people. So from there throughout my entire life, I have a, a bachelor's in journalism, mass communication. So I've always been someone that was always in front of the camera and he blessed me with a voice. And sometimes he just put some words in me to, to help people out. So that's kind of how everything really formulated. Brilliant. Are you on, uh, do you have any, uh, t are you on television shows or do you have some sort of a YouTube channel where, uh, of course you tour around and, and gather people and give them speeches, but uh, what about your uh, online uh, presence? Do you, uh, is there any way we can find you online? Absolutely. So the best way to find me, as you can see, is on Instagram at Sir Amazing. Right. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, haven't done as much on the YouTube channel as of late. I had a talk show that I'm just rebooting now. Uh, it's called The Shift. It's to inspire, educate, motivate youth. 
and it's now formulated with everything that's going on as a Zoom platform where students can come and I moderate, I host, but it's really about letting them express themselves and their thoughts and their opinions. Because so many times in the history of our world, things happen. And I don't like to use the term kids because I think it demeans the intelligence level of our youth today. Students yeah. don't get a chance to really express themselves. And I'm very passionate about it because we all have a voice. We all play a role in the history of our world. So that that's one element. Uh, I do a lot of different live streams on different channels. So I do a weekly show Saturdays from a page called The Connection on Facebook, which you can find it through my Facebook page. They're amazing, where it's really just going through different curriculums or different worksheets, just talking about simple things that we don't necessarily think about to make the minds think, especially during this time. I do a daily show on Instagram Live from my page and the HBCU app, uh, which mm -hmm. is got a, a large following, about 119,000 on that page. Uh, so those are just a few things that I, that I do, but I also um, I do networking events. So a lot of stuff on Zoom. Zoom has, has really changed the game for us all. Um, and I plan on doing my own uh, different webinars and instructional courses to really just help people unlock the greatness that's within. That's, that's my biggest goal is that Every single one of us, 7.8 billion of us on the planet, it's only one version of you, it's only one version of me. Nobody else has the same DNA, nobody else has the same mind, nobody else has the same vision. Just trying to make sure that everybody's reminded of that as we move forward in life. Brilliant. Uh, I see that you have, uh, you have an African-sounding name in your poster, Amy Mukendi. Can you tell a a little bit about uh, where you come from, where your parents come from, because I believe you told me that you, uh, your parents are first generational African immigrants, if I'm not wrong. So I always say I'm a thoroughbred African American. Uh huh. Uh, I'm a junior, Amy McKinney Jr. My right. father is from the Democratic Republic of the Congo, mm -hmm. and my mother is Black American. So <laughs> it's like I got the best of both worlds, is how I see it, because I have the enriched understanding if I know exactly where my name comes from, I know exactly where my family comes from. And then I'm also, my grandfather went to HBCU, my mom went to HBCU. So uh, it's like the, the blessing of, of best of both worlds of tradition and, and heritage. Do, do you travel a lot? Uh, do you happen to visit Africa and do you uh, travel a lot around the world in general? With everything that's going on right now, no, there has been some, some stalemates, but Yep. Uh, previously. Within the works. <laughs> uh, how about uh, pre previously, before uh, before all this, before before 2020, if, if I can ask you. I have not yet. Actually. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. It's, it's, uh, the time is coming, though. Right. Right. Speaking of uh, that, our time right now. Um, Yes, there have been uh, police brutality cases in the past. Yes, there has been uh, racist uh, killings in the past. Why now? If, if you if you get my question, you know what what happened? What what culminated in this moment? And people started expressing after this event. Why now? If you, if you get what I mean. Absolutely. Well, one, there's a pandemic going on. <laughs> right. Entire. It's not just a country thing. Across the entire world, we've all been impacted by the coronavirus and had to adjust our lives and social distance and and really be put in a very uncomfortable position, whether it be from an emotional, mental, or financial standpoint. 
Mm-hmm. So when, and I'll speak for myself, when I saw the footage of a police officer putting his knee on the neck of a human being as if that human being is an insect while this human being is screaming and crying out, I can't breathe, crying out for his mother, it made me think automatically, how, what can someone do during a pandemic that makes you want to kill them? This is a time where we're supposed to be appreciating every moment, every breath. There are so many people that have been impacted by the millions who have passed away due to COVID-19. And you have some type of ability to muster up the, the attitude to commit murder. And it connects to your uniform. Um, I'm a well-educated individual. So I understand, especially from a media standpoint, how different things have played a role in the perception of people that look like me, in particular, black men like myself, and even more so a black man over six feet. <laughs> so understanding all those different factors, when you ask why the boiling point, why now, that's why, because people have been cooped up, hmm. stuck in houses, uh, not been able to go work and really go through all the therapeutic purposes. Like for me personally, I love going to the gym, not to be around people necessarily, I like going to the gym in the morning to go in the sauna. I put my headphones in and I go shoot. I go shoot a basketball 45 minutes. I don't want to play with anybody. I just want 45 minutes to myself and really take everything in. How many of us have been robbed of these different things? You know, some of us are, I'm an introvert naturally. So social distancing is not necessarily uh, a problem for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're an extroverted person who likes to go out and be around people, your life has been altered. So all these different issues of things that people have been dealing with. And then again, again, three weeks later from, I'm in Georgia right now, Ahmaud Arbery, this guy yep. was jogging. Yep, I saw that. It took two months. It took two months for a video to drop for any action to be taken. And those two gentlemen, I don't even want to call them gentlemen that way, but those two men were not cops. Exactly. So, it's it's the pileup, you know. Some of the things that are happening right now, I remember in 2012 when Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman case happened. I was 19 at the time, and I thought people were going to riot the way people did now. Back then, I was predicting it because when I think about all these things, I can go down the line. I can go. I can start from the top, the one that really strikes a chord. If you're familiar with Emmett Till, if you're not, I suggest you look it up. Young black boy in the 50s, I believe, who ended up being pulled out of his family's home face was destroyed, found in a river, all because he, he apparently whistled at a woman. So that's, that's where it starts. That was, that was then. Then you fast forward to, there was Rodney King. There was a young 14-year-old girl who was shot on camera in a Korean store in LA in the 90s. There was, I mentioned Trayvon Martin. There is Freddie Gray. There is Michael Brown Jr. There is Tamir Rice. Tamir Rice is 12 years old. I got a 10-year-old little brother. I got a nephew that's 12 years old. Like, these are different situations that have happened in our history. And I'm a big, firm believer in everything being connected. So when we look at all these different situations, and all those situations are happening in quote-unquote normal times, so for that to happen at this time, of course people are going to react to it. Of course. You have mentioned all these incidents. Uh, I might add uh, to our viewers to also read about uh, Jesse Washington, if if uh, if you remember, if, if you are aware of that, the, the lynching of Jesse Washington in 1912, I believe that I, I read that and I just I got chills in my spine just by reading about that in Wikipedia. 
let alone watching pictures and and so on um what have you been doing for the protests uh, saremi uh, uh, i know you have been traveling around and, and can, can you can you tell us what you've been doing for the past like uh, a week or two so for me uh, i was in buffalo when protests were really starting to go national mm-hmm. and i woke up so it was a saturday morning i woke up and i had just left atlanta and i saw an image of an atlanta cop car burning in flames and i said to myself if they're doing that in atlanta i know how they're gonna be in my city and i was like you know what i'm not gonna do a protest so i ended up extending my stay in buffalo and partnering with the naacp and so for my quote-unquote book signing uh i partnered with the naacp we gave out masks we gave out gloves we had the census on site so people understand for from a funding standpoint the census is connected to everything from child care to the people who come and pick up your trash to all those things matter and people that look like me oftentimes we haven't had the access to the information to understand how important that is and then also voting because it's 2020 it's an it's an election year but primaries yep. are coming up so i'm in georgia right now uh primaries in georgia june 9th uh primaries in new york state are june 23rd there are primaries that have already happened in maryland and people have to understand one big thing i'm proponent is understand that when you vote on a local level that impacts the federal level because that's that's how things are represented in the house the senate uh, and i'm not a political whiz in any capacity but i know that we all need to be aware because i'm 27 years old and 20 years ago there was a recount in florida that ultimately altered the future of the nation yep. that i'm that i was born in and and knowing those different factors and then most importantly for me I am of the nature that we gotta attack it from all angles. Yep. I can't just I can't just be quote unquote protesting. I gotta make sure that I'm registered to vote and I'm voting too. Those same numbers, we have to attack it from all those angles. All of those angles. It's kind of like uh yep. you attacking a giant, right? You gotta go with what you know and what you can use. You gotta utilize your you, resources. You, you gotta do stuff on the streets and also behind the streets, yeah. Exactly. I get it. I get it. So you have been uh, attacking this issue from the inside, I believe. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you you say you're you're uh, attacking the system, right? So what what can you say about the system, right? For example, uh, yeah, there is poverty in U.S., but it is uh, it is massively proportional within uh, uh, African American community, right? But and that is not because of some uh, things that people say, uh, like uh, uh, they don't work hard and and you know they. they want things easy which is not really the case can, can you talk about what the systematic all the way from slavery to segregation the effects of things that have happened 200 years ago are, are still there which are which are affecting the communities isn't it honestly it's a deep answer <laughs> uh, i don't even know if i don't even know if everybody could really take in every single facet of what the true answer is yep. however mindset and system have a huge role in it so i think there are hallmark moments that have shifted everything so in in most recent time i was doing a live show and i had a student i think he's 17 or 18 he hit me after and he was like why do you think people look at us as black men as monsters and animals and i said birth of a nation that came out in between 1915 and 1918 which was a silent film that had blackface that 
basically sold out across the country and basically set us back 50 years because it drilled into people's mind. Like I said, I'm a media major. And I have a strong fascination of understanding how all the different things impact us and how we're conditioned and how we start to review and access every single situation in our life. That film, a three-hour silent film, demonized every Black person on the planet, let alone in the United States of America. And what it did was ultimately impact how things are viewed from a media aspect. When you think about Hollywood, I just led a male media summit. And we talked about it was we had athletes, uh, news reporters, students, uh, youth leaders, a variety of men on this call. And the reality is, is that the, the visuals that we see impact our mindset. So if you go, if I go to any hood, any city in the world, I'm gonna see liquor store, liquor store, liquor store, corner store, places that aren't taken care of. Everything is connected. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all connected to, to it's, it's connected to mindset. Well, how is the mindset impact? Yes, there are individuals out here that have broke, broken through. Absolutely. But it's also a scientific fact that if a child grows up in a home with a library, they have a greater chance of being successful as opposed to a child who grew up without a library, whether or not that kid ever touched a book. But the point is that they at least had the opportunity to see a book. And why wouldn't somebody see a book when they look like me? Because it's been a generational thing that's been passed on of, of lack of information of this is what I have to accept. This is the standard. This is how it is. I live inch by inch because I've been drilled with the fear, the fear of if I do too much, then I'm going to put myself in harm's way, i.e. these different situations that have happened that we're now seeing on camera when it comes to the police who are supposed to protect and serve. But it seems more and a lot of opportunities that it's used as a power play. And because when you don't feel like you have power, you're just doing everything out of fear. And fear is false evidence appearing real. So there's no real reality. And that's why all these different things have really occurred. I believe uh, the answer to the question that I asked deserves an entire podcast on itself. But I, I get your point. Yeah. <laughs> It's a it's a podcast. It's a documentary. Yeah, it's a it's a life. Uh, right. I, I would recommend to any of the listeners and viewers to check out the uh, documentary on Netflix. Thirteen, right? Because Thirteen even talks about because I know you from a timeline standpoint. Uh, I look at Birth of a Nation of really impacted things. We had people like Dr. King and Malcolm X who really mm-hmm. pushed for change. But then when you watch a documentary like Thirteen, it talks about that after Doctor. MLK is going after Malcolm is going and how mm. from the 13th Amendment, the slight verbiage change ultimately shifted that multiplied the numbers from about 250,000 black men being incarcerated to about 2.6 million over about a 30 year period. My goodness. And, and a lot of these things are going back to ignorance, right? So if I, if I don't know and I commit a crime, and then I have a public defender who doesn't see me as a human being. He sees me as a statistic because he doesn't get paid any more for representing me than he does the next person. Yes. So he has no real emotional attachment, even though he's basically pleading for me so that I have a chance to live my life. So if that public defendant says what's easier for him in this case, 
is for me to take a plea and me then to be guilty, which leads to me getting a misdemeanor, which means if I did another offense, I could potentially get more crime and then I have my record damaged more. Now I'm really you losing my civil rights. I'm right. losing my rights to vote. Then I yep. can't get a job because now they're looking at me because even if I walk in there in a suit as a black man, I'm looked at as a threat because guess what? I've got the confidence and the ability to do great things. So that, that's just, that's when you're in your best position. Uh, yes. So then when you add the other things, now it's, it's like a credibility chart. Yes. Um, it's ironic with everything going on with COVID. My father and I, we went to uh, Walmart a couple months back. And I'm like, man, it's crazy. It's the only time in America a black man can walk into the store with a mask. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, listen. And he was like, right. And I'm like, like, man, a month ago, it'd be going crazy if I came in here with a scarf on. They'd be losing their mind. Wow. That's that's our reality. That's that's life. That's life. Just to an extension for that question, you are massively educated and brilliantly articulate. And despite being all that, right, you have to work that little harder to prove yourself, isn't it? To gain the trust, isn't it? As in, yeah, uh, for example, if I take uh, your case, right, I mean, you are a motivational speaker. Um, It takes a little extra hard work for you being an African-American to gain the credibility and the trust as a motivational speaker when compared to, you know, other your other peers and colleagues who are who are white and so on. Right. Uh, can you tell me about uh, your your struggle in your particular career, not about uh, maybe it may not be a massive uh, case of uh, massive oppression, racism, but there is also the subtle racism, right? The little struggles you do, right? Just to just to get ahead that far, isn't it? Can you throw some light on that? Absolutely. And um, thank you for, for the compliment again. No problem. Um, I'll use an example, right? Uh, I used to be a fan of the show, the reality show, Love and Hip Hop. Uh, mm -hmm. I love. I like watching Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, mm -hmm. and I saw all these people on there, and I a, a light bulb went off at some point where I was like, "These are just hurt human beings. You are so hurt that for that check, you are willing to get on this screen, on this platform, in front of a large audience, and really act in in foolish ways. And when you say having to work harder, so for me, my route was. Could I have done that? Could have I could I have pursued uh, doing something that was going to be extremely provocative in the way that it would just make things pop, go viral, mm -hmm. and and then would that open up doors for me to be a more of a motivational speaker? Yes, and I realized that. But in my dignity, I wanted to take pride in being Sir Amazing and being an individual who really stands on his word and putting everything else in the hands of God because. There's plenty of people out here that are going to, and, and I understand the different pathways. Everybody's on their own journey. They may use the different lanes in order to create the ultimate lane. Right. But for me, uh, I, I look at it as being an authentic individual who really cares enough to be a person as a resource for people and be someone that can help. Mm -hmm. I think when I, when I do leave the planet, that's the type of spirit I want to leave with. Brilliant. As a motivational speaker, do you, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, is there among majority of the African-American youth, is there 
a little lack of self confidence among the african american youth on a general note yes they are great they are talented they are amazing but the because of you know constant feeding of this narrative that you cannot be this you cannot be that it kind of dents their confidence isn't it what do you do as a, do you see this among the african american youth as a motivational speaker and what do you do how do you work on that how do you how do you pull uh, the youth the youth the you interact with how do you pull them out of that i tell a story i was working with the mentorship program in october from october to december and mm-hmm. i would have often times have one on one with students high school students i remember one time it was a young woman i think she was a senior and uh, her aspirations were to go into the military and go to the army so she can go to school and be the first person in her family to do it and i realized something in conversing with her i had to look this young lady in the face and say you are beautiful and it was so much power that came from that statement because one i'm a man but two i'm not saying it in a perverted way right i'm not saying it as some young boy who may have some other intentions i'm saying this as a human being to tell her you are beautiful and you can do everything that we just went through and and said that you want to do you can do that and oftentimes we don't realize how all these different things whether it be music television family loved ones are putting things into our minds that are creating so much doubt precisely we already you know we already as human beings alone we all have we have our own self doubts it's just there it just exists in our brain so when you go to someone you trust and love and you share an idea and they don't support it now that that doubt that you had in your mind increases so it's like it's a constant battle it's a challenge there was a study conducted by MIT that said that if 16 people tell you you can't do something excuse me let me let me, let me rephrase that if one person tells you you can't do something it takes 16 people telling you that you can do it just to even the playing field just to get even back to wow. where you started it takes the 17th person saying that you can do something in order for it to stick that is mind blowing it's it's an uncomfortable truth because if you think about the numbers think about throughout the day how many people tell you you can or can't do something you're and talking about times- yep you're talking about one person having that impact of telling you can't do speaking from the perspective of african americans there are movies that are telling you you can't do it there's there's music there's media there's your family your friends the society in itself so many people are telling uh, african americans you can't do it and it i think it's quite a fight to overcome that and when an african american becomes successful right he has gone through so much isn't it because i i remember my aunt he, she lives in chicago she she used to tell me um i love obama because um he had to work harder than any other president in us's history to become a president hmm. and that is exactly why i love obama and and what you what you tell makes complete sense 
and what was his slogan? Yes, we can. <laughs> it's uh, words have profound power, and so many times in our world, people forget or they just don't know, just don't understand how powerful every single word, every single action. And for me personally, I've gotten to a point where sometimes the actions are, the actions, the words, the thoughts, they, they start to hurt deep hmm. and you start to replay different situations and scenarios and you think about all the different parties and everybody doesn't see it this way. They may not see it. They may not see, well, it doesn't matter if that kid was over there and he wasn't listening to what you said over here. It was terrible, negative. They can ultimately leave. If he heard, if he did hear it and he repeated it, it could cause major problems. A lot of people don't, we don't think about this. I do. I do. And it's part of, it's part of the, the purpose. Right. Is understanding how all these different things are connected. And so many times in my community, because of the situations from a systematic, from a, fundamental family value standpoint we are so plagued and the plague just gets passed on and passed on and passed on like with everything going on may is mental health awareness month may was mental yeah. health awareness how many people mental health was impacted i had to delete facebook I wow had and as a person that's a social media public figure I had to delete my personal page because I'm like, yo, this is bad for my health. How Damn. am I going to be able to add value to people's lives when I'm scrolling through and I'm seeing certain people say, uh, I'm seeing certain people just extremely angry and they're lashing out at, at everyone that's white or as a police officer. Everyone that's white and a police officer did not kneel on George Floyd's neck. But then I'm seeing white people who aren't saying anything about the fact that George Floyd's neck got nailed on and you're supporting police officers or an ideology that's just, just discounting what occurred. You're not saying as a human being, that's wrong. I can't associate with you. I have no, I have no ability to try to sympathize and empathize with your perspective because you're telling me that you're not a human being when, you, when you're not saying, okay, this is wrong. So all those different things were happening. So I'm like deleting people and I'm like, I, it, it was bad for me. But I'm saying all that to say in Mental Health Awareness Month, we didn't even have an opportunity, most of us, to really take the time and be ready to help out, be ready to contribute when it comes to the situation with George Floyd because it breaks, it just breaks your heart. You know, after so many times of your heart being broken, you start to believe that that's how it's supposed to be. It becomes normalized so right. you don't ever feel that fulfillment and it's like the, the bible says when you're when it's when you commit so many sins and you become like a a, a sealed hot sealed by a hot iron mm. where it's just there so nothing burns anymore and there's so many people that have that look like me that that's mm. where we are and there's some of us that feel that salt in the wounds and are reacting and are screaming and that's the different protests and that's to different actions but as some of us is just crying just i'm just fading away i had a conversation with a good friend of mine called me i'm so happy i was like i'm so happy you called me because i just got back to atlanta and he was like man there's an opportunity to put out a project but i don't want to monetize off of 
the tribulations that we're going through as a people. Right. And it was like, I had to delete all the social media. I couldn't be in there. And it was just happening this battle. And, and I'm having a conversation because I understand. Because you, from one perspective, you're like, yo, I don't want to eat because of George Floyd. That's not, that's not my goal. But then at the same time, the vice versa, and how I viewed it was, because I even, and I'll say this into this point, I know there, there are some public officials, some other people that I'm uh, connected to that haven't really done any interviews or anything like that. They don't want to talk about it. But for me, I look at it as I'm blessed to have an opportunity while I'm here to contribute. Right. This is me honoring George Floyd, me having this conversation to every listener and every viewer, every person that clicks on the video, whether they like what I have to say or not. It's not about that. It's about getting the message out, getting the word out to let people understand and know like, no, your reason why this is different is because we've dealt with it for so long. And then it happened on camera during a pandemic. I, I, it still blows my mind just to even think about the, 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 when I watch it. And, and the officer gets up, picks his belt, shrugs his shoulders. They flop the body onto the, the ambulance bed. He gets into the car. It was like nothing. You know, I've seen people have uh, more emotional reactions to killing the fly. So when you take all that into account, uh, it, like said, it, I'm just thankful. It, it is that, isn't it? I mean, when it when it comes to this incident and the protest, my analysis is that when 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 uh, people and especially African Americans watch that footage and it it just brings back because they are in a pandemic, right? They're in a pandemic. They're at home. Their mental health is not straight, and you they watch the footage like that and. All those memories come back, isn't it? The memories of all the other incidents and their own personal incidents and experiences that they have probably experienced. They just all come back and it just comes out as this rage and protest. And, you know, I think that is that is the reason why everyone is, uh, is out on the streets, isn't it? It, it's not only it's an amalgamation of public incidents and the incidents of their own uh, particular life, isn't it? You got it right on the money. And one thing I've learned in my experience is that all we really have to do is experience the situation one time. Yeah. We can feel it countless times. You got to do it one time. Only one paper cut to know the pain of a paper cut. <laughs> and there's no yeah. like one is worse than the other. No, no, no. That one, that first time you felt it. And now when you look and you, there's a gasp. So that is, that is our reality right now. Right what did you uh, f uh, face the reason why i'm asking you is this because you come i believe you come from a very educated family and you're a very educated man yourself you have a reasonably successful life so far despite having achieved all that you must have faced some let me use some uh, parliamentary language some useless unnecessary shit isn't it i mean just just because you're an african american isn't it despite having all the accolades and you, uh, all the work that you've done? I was in college. 20 years ago, it was three months before my 21st birthday, we had a scrimmage in, at uh, Kent State in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And I got separated from my teammate, called him like, hey, I'm over here by this sign. He's like, I'm coming to get you right now. We went to a sorority house for a party. Uh, 
I ended up getting arrested. And uh, and one time in my life, I spent in jail. And <laughs> that night, I had on no shirt, no socks, no shoes, shackled to a chair. And I remember because the whoever was on guard, it was a, it was a black man. And I was crying, please, please let me go to the bathroom. Please, please just let me lose so I can go to the bathroom. Please, please. Crying all night. And I peed on myself. And um, that experience in itself just let me know where I stood because that was the highest GPA I ever had in college. I had a 3.8 at the time. So in that moment, because of underage drinking, I became a, viewed as a criminal. And like you said, people say to me, oh, success. I haven't really started what he put me on this planet to do, but there are others who may have not had the liberties or maybe not had the opportunities to, to be in my position. So what happens to those guys? If something went wrong, if that's what could happen, sir, amazing. Twenty years old, different, different time. I'm a much different. I wasn't even a man then. Very much so, young man. I'm a man now. Seven years ago. However, if that could happen to me. What does that say about anybody else that looks like me who may not have the, the wherewithal that I have? We listen to all this, all right? We listen to uh, uh, all, all the stories and people are very well aware, right, of what uh, African-Americans go through. And yet, how do you feel when uh, people try to derail this, right? I mean, there are some people who post all lives matter, which is fucking infuriating, right? It's, it, uh, it's unbelievably dumb on, some, on, on part of some people who tried to derail this and what, what did you come across anyone like that? I, I think you were saying you deleted your Facebook page because of that very reason. Where, where, where is that coming from? Why, how do you react to that? <laughs> I'm a quota classic film. If they don't know, don't show or don't care about what's going on with the boys in the hood. <laughs> it's, I watched, uh, Dave Chappelle's my favorite comedian um, because to me, he's the greatest of all time. Uh, but his, I'm sorry, but the name? Dave Chappelle. Richard, Dave Chappelle, Dave yeah, Chappelle. okay, yep, got it, got it, yep. And uh, his commentary on, uh, I believe there's only one race, that's the human race. We just have different ethnic backgrounds, but his commentary on race relations, mm -hmm. I think are the greatest of all time. And I, just from my own, excuse me, breathing, like relaxation, I've like watched some different standups and his SNL, when he did SNL a few years back, when he talked about when people respond to Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter, well, oh my blue, God! He said, "Well, blue is a uniform. 
You don't wake up blue. That's yeah. your job. You take that off when you get home. I don't take off my black. And to me, that's the epitome of my understanding of the best way to truly mm-hmm. eloquate that to anyone. All lives matter. That's obvious. Yeah. But apparently it's not obvious that black is a part of the all. So we have to let people know. All lives matter in a world where all lives are equal, isn't it? You uh, you quote uh, Dave Chappelle. Let me tell you my favorite. Uh, I, I love Chris Rock. There was this one show on Netflix which he did on police brutality. I thought that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> that um, I I watch a bit of uh, Richard Pryor. I love a bit of Richard Pryor. I love Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey says it like it is. He's very real guy, isn't it? <laughs> there is African. Uh, American media is reasonably popular in India. You know, uh, the rap music, the comedians, Will Smith is massively popular here. But it, we, here in India, we have our own issues with the skin color, right? So uh, pe- people, who are, people who look fair among Indians, right? Among Indian brothers who look fair, they, they, they are considered as uh, they, of, of, of having better opportunities with marriage and, uh, you know, uh, they, they're considered as more, uh, if, if there's a white man in the room, the business gets easy. That's how it is. Copy. Yeah, right. And uh, we were ruled by uh, British, right? Um, so uh, uh, our Indian imagination of a foreigner, right? The first thing, when I say the word foreigner, the first thing that might, for majority, I'm not speaking for all Indians, but majority of them, uh, it, the first thing that comes to their mind is a white man, right? Because because of the Hollywood media they consume, um, despite the popularity of, of the African-American uh, uh, pop culture, right? They do TikToks on uh, Afro-American songs, but hmm. still, when they when they think of, when when you when you say the word foreigner, the first person that comes to their mind is white. The the travelers they don't travel because Afri- African Americans or Africans in general they don't travel a lot around the world, right? And majority of the visitors, tourists to India, are white. Their media is white. We we have this own fascination with white skin in our country. I will It is not really. A, we don't have too many Africans living here, so there is not much racism here, but there is definitely a fascination for the so-called the white skin. And that is exactly the reason why I'm doing this podcast with yourself. And and uh, I did another podcast with another brother uh, just yesterday. Uh, people, when they think of a black person, they don't get this assumption that they can be smart, they can be articulate, they can be educated. I'm not talking about India. It's all over the world, if I'm not wrong, isn't it? They, when they think of a black person, they just think of rappers, great athletes, or you know, or they associate with something like poverty or something like that. There are not enough uh, cultural icons in, in uh, of African Americans in in media, isn't it? Because that is the reason why I love I love Neil deGrasse Tyson. He Ooh. Neil deGrasse Tyson, the science communicator, the Neil deGrasse Tyson. Love oh. him, love him, and and not many people understand here why. Black Panther, the movie, is so important. 
because we've only had white superheroes all our lives and we are always sick and tired of cheering for the white superheroes and and here comes a uh, african hero and i believe that must have been massive in terms of cultural impact right so i i love is these things come out but is not enough push around the world to bring out other talents of the african americans possess isn't it what, what can be done for that when uh, yes along with pushing in the media what else can be done in countries like ours i got i got more lyrics for you that came to mind during that spill in the past if you picture events like a black tie what's the last thing you expect to see black guys what's the life expectancy for black guys the system's working effectively that's why i'll be a real man take care of your son every problem you have before this day is now done i just kept ringing in my head when you were right. talking right right i mean that's the best way for me to put it if you picture any event with a black tie what's the last thing you expect to see black guys the system's working effectively that's why the system the conditioning the not promoting the black male in a heroic figure exactly in the media in our movies the constant chucking and jive and that that's what we've been given and then for me I'm 27 years old how the people I've always looked up to I looked up to Will Smith was somebody I looked up to. Looked up to Kanye West. I looked up to Jay-Z. Looked up to LeBron James. Like to me, they epitomize greatness from an overall balance of their craft to the financial, to the philanthropy, to just being a dreamer and making a right. reality. Right. But there are other people, there's other layers to it too. Hmm. Somebody like Bill Cosby. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I don't want to speak on any allegations. Right. Bill Cosby, the man, and what Cliff Huxtable represented from the symbolism are two different they're two different entities right and when you really look at cliff huxtable what it meant to be a successful doctor who was married with a big family had a beautiful wife that was an attorney wasn't was a grad of an hbcu a successful collegiate athlete had a great relationship with his parents was a great father was a great mentor to people in the neighborhood. He was a decent father-in-law. Yeah. He said, okay, you married my daughter. You could come stay in the house. I'm not going to treat you any differently. I'm going to treat you like, like putting that into the atmosphere is what opened the doors for me being a 90s baby to have the different shows like the Steve Harvey, the Jamie Foxx, Smart Guy, Sister, Sister, Martin, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, um, mm. Family Matters, uh, these different programs they were putting out so much positivity because everyone needs an Uncle Phil. Right, right. So, I'm. I'll tell you something. I, I probably watch more American movies than you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So, but uh, I've been watching movies for the past ten years, right? But. It was only last year that I discovered Spike Lee's movies. Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, talk to me. It was last month I watched uh, um, uh, Do the Right Thing for the first time. That is my, so 
my favorite movie of all time is The Lion King, but Do the Right Thing is right. Like, it's literally number two, maybe one, <sighs> one B. Like, Do the Right Thing, it just, it hits in so many different ways. Oh, my but, God. I If I get started on Do the Right Thing, I can carry another hour of a podcast, but <sighs> go on. I'm sorry to interrupt. It Do the Right Thing is the epitome of that meme that's out there saying, they love our black culture, but don't love the black movement or whatever it says. Because when you think about Sal's son, all his favorite people were black. Eddie Murphy, Magic Johnson, these are black men. Sal, you're proud of your heritage, but you said we're one, but you won't support Malcolm X or Dr. King. And we right here with you, helping you keep your business running. We're eating in your place a location. Sal, when Radio Raheem comes in with his speaker, you refer to it as jungle music. Yeah. And it showed you are hiding behind the mask of your true emotions and understanding that you were only taking the benefits of the money. So you didn't get why Mookie did that. You thought because you paid Mookie some money, he was supposed to deny his identity. No. That's what doing the right thing is, is not denying your true self. And I mean, it hurts because you think about love and hate, right? Love versus hate, love versus hate, hate. We gotta make sure that we continue to push out the love because the hate, the hate is gonna be there and it's gonna mester and it's gonna continue to grow and it's, it's soil. So I think want to I, I I saw that movie. I think that neighborhood neighborhood that he shows, right? The Brooklyn neighborhood. I That's think not. that that neighborhood is a representative of America itself, isn't it? It's hmm. like what happens in that neighborhood. As in, in my like, uh, what I mean to say is, what happens in that neighborhood. It is a representative of what happens in America, in the black neighborhoods of America in general, isn't it? And uh, and also what I see is people who ask, did Mookie do the right thing are the same people who say all lives matter. <laughs> Isn't it? Still don't, still don't get it. And, and the thing is, I don't Ex- want to say that that movie came out in 1989. So things yes. have shifted. It was Brooklyn. It was the hottest day of the summer. So people's blood always get to boiling. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the New York City, that's why I got shut down because of COVID because everybody's right on top of each other. Right. So right. things are, our mustering tension is building up more. So I don't want to generalize it yeah. in, in the capacity to say that that's every black man's experience or every black person's experience in the United States. However, those different types of scenarios yeah. are definitely elements of our, of our culture. Yes, that we all yes, yes, yes. At some point in time, you know, like the Korean owner. Me, you same. Me, you same. Exactly. Exactly. And and it's like, no, we're not the same. You don't know us. You don't care about us neither. You you listen, you're not looking out for us either. You over you doing the same thing. You're doing the same thing. Um, but it was it's I mean it, the movie hits on so it's so many different elements. And that's Spike Lee's my favorite director. So. Oh my! Oh my God! Especially because of these protests, right? I started watching uh, the movies that describe Afro-American experiences. I also watched uh, Boys in the Hood by John Singleton, which is a very old you movie. Oh my God! That that is as real as it gets. It was brilliant, brilliant. 
all my favorite actors that i watch now it's just very weird to see them very young <laughs> but <laughs> cuz when they started and it's so ironic though cuz right you talk about you know when i look at myself uh, i was just talking about this with my mom i was like man i remember watching boys in the hood as a kid i remember mm. my mom made me so you'll get this since you watch it recently yeah my mom yeah was like see she was like you see you see how you rake the yard now one leaf on the ground I was like it's a movie <laughs> I get but it. when I watched that movie, the two people that always stood out to me was Furious Styles with the Marvels, and he was always very philosophical. Yeah, the the the, the strong Afro American dad who teaches his son the confidence, stoic, yep. intelligent, the philosopher who gets it, who could just break it down, yep. and I also look right because I'm a son, and the 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 reality is though. is that everybody who watched that film they may not have seen it the same way so for me when i watched i was like i don't want to be doughboy i don't want to be ricky i want to be trey yeah somewhere out there somebody who's watching where they identify more with doughboy yeah or they identify more with ricky yeah and it and it hurts because at the same time as the message being so clear if the other messages that you're getting in life are not of that same wavelength what's going to connect is that message that you're getting in those different realms so when right. somebody talks to me I was speaking to some uh I call them OGs mm. <laughs> right few years older than me and they're talking about everything that happened because there's just a video that came out I didn't even know about that found out about it at my event uh where is a police officer knocks over a 75 year old white man white man starts bleeding from his ear they're telling and they were just talking about all these different things and and they kept they kept mentioning their mindset right and the mindset starts young that's why I'm I'm a huge proponent of when I when it comes to talking about youth I'm a, in my book I talk mm. about different experiences that happened in my life as a kid that impacted me as I grew up and so many times in our lives that we forget you know, those different situations that happened to us when we were a kid they right. impact us we didn't now we've learning we're learning from those experiences and we're reacting to those experiences so it's extremely essential that we make sure that we're putting our youth in a mindset of can 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 mm-hmm. and reinforcing mm-hmm. them and empowering them right. and not being a, speaking from a a fear mindset where it's like no you don't want to do that or you can't right. because the reality is there are, there are people that I'm connected to generations ahead who had situations where they grew up they grew up in the south so you playing on this road you better go high in the you got to go high in the woods when you hear a car come by You don't want something to happen to you. I don't want nothing to happen to you. So you carry that with you. It doesn't leave. So Hey, uh, Sir Amy, here's the thing, all right? I think you say call yourself a media mass media student, right? I mean, you are a bachelor in mass media, correct? Mass communication if I'm not wrong. Yes, I I think I think you watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of movies. I think I it would be a great podcast one fine day if we do a podcast based on just afro american movies that you and i have watched and we talk on it i think we can talk on it for a long time because you and i have a lot of common things to discuss over there absolutely i mean it's it's definitely doable it's uh, uh i don't watch as many movies anymore mm-hmm. uh, i hit you with the one that i did watch recently though have you seen school days um no sir uh, not yet but here's here's one thing you can uh, probably what you can do is you can give me a list of uh, uh, movies like that i'll watch it but like recently i watched moonlight how beautiful was that 
if, if you have mm. seen Moonlight. I've not seen Moonlight. Oh, you're not Moonlight? Okay. That, um, uh, what else? Black Klansman, if you've watched it on Netflix. Not watched Black Klansman, but I know, I know the basis of it. Oh, my goodness. It is just unbelievable. <laughs> Mm. It's about this uh, Afro-American officer who infiltrates a clan, the KKK, mm-hmm. and to 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 you know to uh, dismantle their uh, functions in uh, Colorado. It's a real story, bro. It's it happens for real. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably we we can we'll probably do a podcast like that. The the point I uh, tried to. Uh, divert about uh, movies is because it, it, I w- I'm trying to show my own ignorance, right? Because I'm not a perfect person. I have, I have been ignorant my life and I've been watching movies for 10 years and I, it took me 10 years to watch Spike Lee, Spike Lee movies. I just watched it last month, isn't it? So, and, and it, it shows, it shows if, if you have a pool of educated individuals in a community, talent will come out, right? I mean, the, the, the director of Boys in the Hood, John, John Singleton, right? He was 24 when he, he was 24 when he made that movie and he got an Oscar nomination. Still, till today, he's the youngest director to win an Oscar nomination. I mean, at the age of 24, nobody has done any one any more younger than that and he's an african-american right so i i i think i think uh, pointing out the talents especially the movie talents because i relate to it and i can talk about it a long time that deserves a separate podcast and probably we can do that one one fine day when 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 you're fine uh, when you're not busy um uh is uh, I think it's been it's been an hour since we've been talking. I hope I hope <laughs> I hope uh, I hope we have covered uh, majority of the things that we want to say. But if there is anything uh, that we have missed, then you would like to uh, uh, say as as a parting message, or, or is there anything that you have missed? Uh, I want to shout out this shirt that I'm wearing right now. So this is designed by a young man out of Niagara Falls. Oh, uh, 18 years old has his own clothing line. This symbolizes black kid with a dream. What what is uh, what what is written over there? If if you can, uh, it's it's a symbol for black kid with a dream. Okay. And, okay. And uh, just want to shout them out because um, one of my biggest mantras is is promoting uh, small businesses and encouraging our youth. Yeah. So uh, for those who would like to know more about the shirt and know where to purchase a shirt, I'm going to tell you the Instagram. Uh. I wonder if it uh, if it can be shipped internationally. I mean, it can be figured out. Uh, oh, okay. I just wanna, it's a lifestyle of lab is, right. is, is that brand. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there and help that young man. Right. Uh, the only other thing I would say is that again, my name is Emmanuel McKinney Jr. A.K.A. Sir Amazing. Right. Author of Everyone Needs a Hero. Why can't it be you? Yeah. I would encourage you to go to my Instagram and uh, purchase a copy. Uh, of the book, read that story, and just move closer to becoming uh, the greatest version of yourself. Um, and if there's any other services that I can provide, whether it be some coaching or some courses, just let me know. I, I'm definitely open. Sir, it has been a blast. It's been an absolute fun talking to you, hearing you, and uh, I, I hope uh, people listen to you for all the, uh, I, I'm sure if, if they listen to you, uh, if they start listening to you, they won't stop. That's for sure. I hope your message reaches out and I hope it changes at least 
few percep uh, perceptions of few people and uh, i i hope you i i hope you go get more power and more motivation and more passion to continue what you're doing you're doing amazing whatever you do thank thank you for thank you very much for doing this sir and it's been an honor it's been a pleasure and hopefully we will do it one more time if, whenever we can it's been a great pleasure having you here so thank you for doing this definitely a pleasure thank you so much as well uh, appreciate it i'm gonna take a pic real quick post it on the ground <laughs> There we go. Uh, Let me, allow, allow, allow me to take, take me a pic. Just a sec. It's got to be an iPhone pic. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm just playing. All right. <laughs> we, we, we have quite a rivalry. I don't use iPhones. I've never used an iPhone. Brilliant. Brilliant, sir. It's been great fun. <laughs> Good luck to whatever you do. Um, bye, everyone. That's all from our, from our podcast.